today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. God doesn't work within the limitations of our humanity. You need to understand that. The fact is, is for you and I, there are attributes of God that you and I will never have in our life. As long as we are limited in our human experience, there are things that only God knows, that only God does, that only God is able to do. One of those great attributes is what's known as the fact that he is omniscient. That means that he's all-knowing. Many of us have thought at some point that if we were God, we would probably do things a little bit differently. After things turn out for the greater good, we often give God thanks that he is God and we are not. In today's edition of The Open Word, Pastor David reflects on the omniscience of God. In our study, we learn how the all-knowing and all-powerful God operates in a manner that's far beyond our comprehension. With this in mind, we can take heart in knowing that God's never surprised and handles each situation perfectly. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, Faithfulness of God. this morning, uh, even as we look around the world today, it's not hard to see, it's not hard to understand that God is on the move, that God is working and moving in these last days in people's lives in powerful, powerful ways. He's working to, again, for His glory, for His name's sake, to fulfill His kingdom's plans. And God has a plan. God has a plan, God has a purpose. So my question for you this morning is, are you walking in accordance to his plan or according to yours? Now, so often our plans, they're conceived by our own limited understanding and they're controlled by ever-changing circumstances in our lives. We live our lives and something happens and all of a sudden, like the proverbial pinball machine. We're bouncing from one side to the other, trying to make, hopefully, to the goal that we've set in our lives, when in reality, we ought to be men and women and young people who are walking according to God's plan in our life. We're listening to Him, and so our turns to the left, our turns to the right are directed and led by Him, not simply by our own understanding, nor by our circumstances that surround us. God doesn't work within the limitations of our humanity. You need to understand that. The fact is, is for you and I, there are attributes of God that you and I will never have in our life. As long as we are limited in our human experience, there are things that only God knows, that only God does, that only God is able to do. One of those great attributes is what's known as the fact that he is omniscient. 
That means that he's all-knowing. And because of this attribute, you need to understand, there is never, ever a time where God is surprised. There's never a time where God learns something new. What you did this last week, that didn't surprise God. That thought, that attitude, that action, none of that surprised God. The events of world politicians and world culture It doesn't surprise God. Why? Because he is omniscient. He knows all things. Think about this for a moment. People ask and say, well, is there anything God can't do? And everybody says, well, no, there's nothing God can't do. I'll tell you, yes, there is some things that God cannot do. God is incapable of growing in knowledge because he is all knowledgeable. He knows all things. He is incapable of growing in understanding. Why? Because he understands all. He's incapable of growing in wisdom. He himself is the embodiment of wisdom. So if you have all wisdom and all understanding and all knowledge, there won't be anywhere or any area that he needs to grow in. And with all of that, being omniscient, you need to understand that he is in full control of all of his creation, every bit of it. And that's another really cool word. It's called omnipotent, all-powerful. And he can do all that he desires to do without any kind of limitations of time or space or resources at all. So in his omnipotence, in his all-powerfulness, there is no limitation at all. Thirdly, Let's not forget the fact that he's also omnipresent. There's no place that we can hide from him. He is in all places. The psalmist declares, where can I go to hide from your presence? If I go to the highest mountains, you're there. If I go to the deepest valleys, you're there. If I hide out in a dark cave, you're there. Why? Because he is omnipresent. He's in all places at all times equally. He does not have to dilute himself in any way to go and serve and minister to the Hmong people on the other side of the world and still minister to us. The fullness and the completeness of the omniscience, uh, the omnipotence, and the omnipresence of God, all of his attributes are there in all ways and in all places. Since he is omniscient, since he is all-knowing, since he is omnipotent, all-powerful, And since he is omnipresent at all places and all times, wouldn't it be wise for us as believers to seek his plan in our lives and do everything within our power to follow that plan? And yet so often, that's not where we are as believers, even as believers. I mean, wouldn't it be best for us to trust him totally and wholly since he is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present. Last week, we spoke about the surprises of God. No, not that God was surprised, but that God surprises us, that there's times and there's events in our life that suddenly, wow, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't anticipating that. Sometimes those surprises, we feel, are really positive. Sometimes those surprises, we feel, are really negative. But we also know, according to God's word, that he's going to work all things for his good. Not all things are good in this realm. I understand that. 
but he's going to work those things around. We spoke about those times that God surprises us with his presence and with his power. Hopefully you found some places this week where God surprised you. Maybe it was in a big way. Maybe it was in a small way. My question to you is, did you take the opportunity to share that with anyone? Now, I've had actually a couple of people this last week come to me and say, oh, pastor, let me, let me uh, share with you what, what God surprised me in in my life. And I appreciate that. I, I love the testimony of hearing what God is doing in your life. But my real question to you is, is did you share that with somebody who's a non-believer? Like with a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, or a family member. Share it with somebody that then that could possibly be the opening of a door for you to be able to share the hope of the gospel with them. Simply by you sharing what God has done in your life this past week, this past month, this last day. I want us to look today in a little bit different direction. Today I want us to look at the faithfulness of God. We, we might also call it the trustworthiness of God. And I'm thinking along the ideas, and you don't need to turn there, but the ideas that come to us from in the book of Numbers in chapter 23, we read these words, that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? That's the kind of God, the faithfulness, the trustworthy that I'm speaking about. We read in 1 Samuel chapter 15, says that also the strength of Israel, speaking about, again, God himself, the strength of Israel will not lie or relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Again, when God speaks it, it comes to pass. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, you know what? Even if we ourselves are faithless, God remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. Again, the trustworthiness, the faithfulness of God. We're continuing on today in the events that surround that angelic announcement to Zacharias that he's going to have a son, that he and his wife Elizabeth are going to have a, a boy. His name is going to be John. He is going to grow up to be who we know as John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah. Last week I shared with you that during that time, there were over 20,000 priests that were available or eligible to be able to work in the temple at any one time. And because of that, they had divided them up into divisions. And each division was divided up into families. And then each family was divided then by lots to be able to see who was going to be working and what they were going to be doing in the temple, depending upon what your particular lot was that drew. That's where I want to take you this morning. We want to go back to the book of Luke, and we're still in chapter 1. I invite you to take your Bibles there and uh, turn to Luke chapter 1. Now we saw last week how Zacharias, his lot was drawn to be able to serve as the one who did the incense within the holy place. A very prestigious, a very honorable a once-in-a-lifetime event for any priest to be able to do that, to be the one that goes into the holy place, not the holy of holies, but the holy place just outside the holy of holies. Zacharias, while he was there in the temple, while he was performing his duties of, again, the incense and, and burning them on the, the flame that was there, while he was doing that, suddenly 
this angel appears to him. Now, again, you need to understand, there's nobody else in that temple portion at that point in time. They're in that holy place. He is the only one at that point in time. There's no doubt in my mind that probably during that time of offering up these incense and prayers, that perhaps Zacharias with his hands lifted up and praying, praying for the nation of Israel, undoubtedly also praying for needs within his own life, that sense of suddenly someone's here. Someone's here, and I believe that very possibly in the midst of his prayers, he opens his eyes and hears this angel. And we're not talking a little cherub, a little naked baby with an arrow. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the angels that we read about in the Bible. We're talking about an angel very powerful in presence. And, and again, there, and, and it took him by great fear. L- look at it with me, if you would. In Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 11. It says, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. The angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Borrow a phrase here, shock and awe. I think that's what was happening to Zacharias, but a real shock and awe at that point in time when he sees this angel standing there in all his majesty, in all of his might, in all of his power. The only understanding that he would have had at that point that here comes this messenger of God to bring judgment on him and to strike him dead. That would be the first thing that would come to his mind because the last thing that they heard from God was in the book of Malachi as we shared last week and it was going to be God's judgment coming on Israel. But the angel was really quick to try and calm him down. He says, don't be afraid. Turns out that his message was a good one. It was a message of blessing. It was a message of fulfillment. It was a message of answered prayer. It was a message of God's willingness to show his mercy and to show his grace. But the angel didn't stop there. There was more besides, okay? There was more to what the angel message was. The angel went on to explain that Zacharias and Elizabeth's son was going to be a blessing not only to them, but also to many others. There in verse 14, we read, and you will have joy and gladness. And then he says, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him, before the Lord, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There's no doubt that Zacharias and Elizabeth were gonna be filled with joy. Again, as we shared last week, they were an older couple And now God was going to bless them finally with a child. Then not just a child, they were going to be blessed with a son. But there was so much more to this. The angel tells him that this child is going to be, again, a a, a cause for rejoicing for many in Israel. The statement itself, that had to get Zacharias' attention. Again, it's more than a statement just proclaiming how special that child was. I mean, after all, aren't they all special? 
I mean, the only thing worse than hearing a parent tell you how special their child is, is, is hearing a grandparent tell you how special their grandchildren are, okay? I know by experience. My grandchildren are special, uh, you know, so it's easy for me to explain that to you, but anyway. Can you imagine the, the birth announcement that could have been made with this? My child really is special. My child is going to be the forerunner of the Christ. I mean, we, they, they could have blown it so much, but that's not what happens, is it? The angel goes on to give some specifics about this child, and not only about the child, but about the calling that's going to be on his life. And we need to stop here, and we need to understand that God is giving this message about this child, not only what his name is, but the type of child he's going to be, and also the ministry, what his life is going to be, Beloved, God is giving that message before that child is even conceived. Now that ought to cause a little bit of stirring within our heart and mind. To know and to understand that God has that ability to understand exactly who John is going to be and what he's going to go through. It's not unlike what we read when the Lord speaks of Jeremiah. God clarifies that the call on Jeremiah's life had absolutely nothing to do with Jeremiah. You need to understand that. It had nothing to do with Jeremiah, but it had everything to do with the sovereign hand of Almighty God and that God was going to use Jeremiah powerfully, just like John the Baptist. He t God tells Jeremiah, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. You see, here it's very similar. The angel tells Zacharias, he says, for this child will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, but he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. This idea of his not drinking wine, some say it's very possibly at least part, if not a full Nazarite vow, that this child from his very birth would be taken, that, that vow upon him. And what that vow delegates or signifies is really a separation from the things of the world and a separation to the things of God. And we know from further study that that's exactly what John the Baptist was all about. He was a man that separated himself from the rest of society. Not that he didn't speak, not that he didn't interact, but he wasn't impacted by society, but his life impacted society. You understand the difference there? Not letting society impact your life, but your life impacting society. We read in Mark chapter 1 about John the Baptist, about his person. It says he was a guy that walked around in camel hair and a leather belt, and he had this breath that smelled like honey and locusts, because that's what he ate all the time. No, I'm not telling you today to go down to the leather shop and, and get you a nice leather belt and then the camel. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, again, John's life was not impacted by culture, by the society, but his life was going to impact the community where he was. Let's face it. He was probably not the guy that you would invite over for Sunday dinner. 
He, if he comes into your fellowship, you're like, whoa, man, put that guy back far in the corner someplace. But yet God was going to use him powerfully. One of the other things, and a major portion of what the angel tells Zacharias is, is that this child is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And even this speaks to us about God's plans and about God's purposes for this child even before he was born. And a little bit later in this chapter, we read that uh, of Mary, the, the mother-to-be of Jesus, as she goes and she visits Elizabeth, that while she's visiting Elizabeth, and Elizabeth now is in the sixth month of her pregnancy, Elizabeth literally feels the baby leap within her womb. I believe personally that that's the point in the time where the child was filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, beloved, that's, that wasn't a choice of John's. That was a choice of God's. And then we move on a little bit further in that same passage or the same chapter in Luke, and we find out that Elizabeth then is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then further on in that same chapter, we read that Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. God was demonstrating through the writings of Luke here the importance of being empowered and being enabled by the Holy Spirit, both in ministry and in the life of every believer. I also believe that he's showing us that God's plan extends so far beyond our own comprehension, beyond our own understanding. John, listen, John was called, John was commissioned, anointed for ministry, I believe, before he was even conceived. God had that plan. So much could be said right here Again, against the process of our nation about the wickedness of abortion. If God is planning, if God is the one who gives life, then who are we to be ones who take it away? And to believe the lie that says, oh no, that, that's just a blob of tissue that's in there. Don't worry about that. No, if God is the one who brings life, beloved, how bad it is, how wicked it is for us as a nation to be aborting the number of children that we abort even today. We need to understand that God's plan, God's purposes are so far beyond our comprehension, so far beyond our understanding. God is the giver of life. And this is something actually that Zacharias is struggling with here. In verse 18, Zacharias asks the angel, and as a matter of fact, he kind of argues with that angelic messenger. In verse 18, and Zacharias said to the angel, oh, how shall I know this is really going to happen? How shall I know this, he says. He says, for I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. He would have made a great politician. He said, I'm an old man, but it's not that my wife is old. She's just advanced in years. Zacharias wanted some kind of proof, some kind of a sign that what the angel said was actually going to come true. As wonderful as that message was, as amazing as the messenger itself was, Zacharias wasn't buying it. You gotta, again, think about this for a second. You're sitting there ministering in the temple. You're doing service for the Lord. You're praying to the Lord. And suddenly an angelic messenger stands before you. I mean, you are blown away by this. And this angel comes with a message from the Lord for you.
Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.